Hey everybody, it's Kiddush Club. We're back. Uh, it's a little different this time. We actually, my co-host and I received WhatsApp messages and I actually wanted to read the message because we we got it and we were like a little mystified from it. And it says, it's, it goes like this. Hi, I'm a Chabad Shliach who lives near the Gaza border. I have been debating with myself about reaching out to you for a while. Under normal circumstances, I would enjoy a laugh while listening to your podcasts. Since the war started, I haven't been that focused And so I haven't really been able to listen to a whole episode calmly. Although your coverage is great, it seems to me that there's a whole story that's not being told. The regular people who live in this war zone, they are also heroes. Everyone is focused on soldiers and first responders. But the families on the ground, they are also heroes. If you guys are interested in hearing their story, let me know. And I will say this, Levy, that's like, there's no way you could ignore a WhatsApp (laughs) message like that. I mean... Let's be honest. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome, welcome to Israel. To uh, Right now I'm in Beersheba for a few hours, but uh, normally most of the time I'm uh, in Moshev Patish, which is where I live. Um, yep. And where is that just geographically? So, we're not, we're not, you know, we all fail geography so, here. So it's very close to Gaza. It's, um, it's if, if anybody knows uh, Eretz Yisrael a little bit, there's Beersheva. There's if you leave if you go north of Beersheva, uh, slightly to the west, there's Nitivot. Nitivot is also quite close to the border. And if you continue after Nitivot for a few miles, you get to Zderot. Okay, before Nitivot, going further west is Patish. There's a whole area over there of little villages, little kibbutzim, Moshavim and kibbutzim. There's the city of Afakim. Um, this whole area pretty much was where the terrorists attacked. And that's where I live. I live in the center um, of everything that was happening. We were surrounded by terrorists. Um, many, many of the people um, where I live know people who were killed, have family who were killed. Um, that's ba- that's basically the general background. Um it's it's like I, I told yeah so I'm actually I, I I brought it up in Google Maps just to see what you're talking about and it, it's it's pretty amazing you're you're literally right to the west of the Gaza border like literally right to, to the, the east west. Uh, I'm sorry to the east correct I told you I failed geography so don't judge me but yeah you're literally right there um, so first of all I mean based on what you said. Assuming Baruch Hashem, you and your family, everybody's safe. Baruch Hashem, yes, we're all safe. And in fact, my whole Moshav is safe. Um, everybody who was there on Simchas Torah, that is. I hope we'll get to that. Yeah, so so why don't you tell us a little bit, little bit about what life was like on Simchas Torah for you and your family? Okay, so um, Patish is a farm, Moshav. Um, not every, when I say farm, I don't mean... Um, they're not growing wheat and um, and vineyards. They're actually it's it's a it's um it's a milk producing area. So cows everywhere, which doesn't smell too nice, but that's the type of farmland it is. <laughs> each each moshav and kibbutz has its own structure, its own identity, and this is identity of Patish. It, uh, very nice people, very warm people, um, traditional people, and. Um, it's situated in this cluster of kibbutzim and moshavim. Okay, so regular Simchas Torah where we live, 
is is uh, is a very um, big holiday for the people of the community. There, I'm not going to say most of the people aren't from. Most of them are traditional. There are quite a few from families. Um, but Simchastor is a highlight for that community. Everybody goes to the main shul. Um, hundreds of people. They they spend the whole afternoon dancing with the sefer They take out all the sefer There's tens of sefer ter- where I live, and um, it's 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 a, it's it's a big event. The whole community comes to the center of town. And that's basically you wait the whole Simchas Torah for that. Uh, me as a as a Chabad Shliach, so I also we have a custom to do hakafas in the morning. The hakafas the community does in the, in the afternoon. So I always make a kiddush, try to get a few friends and a few few people from shul, and then I go around the whole village, saying lachaim with people, farbringing, speaking, trying to encourage them. Um, if there's people I know who are sick, I try to visit them. So this was going to be my day, right? And this is and everybody. This was pretty much the general picture: peaceful, happy. Um, Tishrei's over. We're getting back to work. We're, we're getting back to regular life. And Simchas Torah night was just like that. We had a quick uh, Simchas Torah hakafas in shul. Um, I stayed a, a bit longer, and I said lachaim with people, and I danced a bit longer. I came home, and then. Okay, had a meal with my family, went to bed. Everything's normal. This is the story for everybody. And just and just just for uh, for for clarification, I actually just checked it once again. You are literally ten miles from the Gaza border. Patish is ten miles from the Gaza border. Hundred percent, yeah, ten miles. Very close. And uh, and I'll say more. Just all this is an introduction to what's what actually um, happened. So psychologically, we were way more than ten miles away. I mean, I took my children on sukkahs four miles from the border to a park called Park Eshkol. I think it's four or five miles away. Makes sense, pretty much. And I never imagined, you know, a five minute, I know, I knew at the back of my mind that five, maybe ten minutes away from that park is the Gaza border. And I've even taken my children into the desert. We found a pond there. Uh, one of my friends found a pond and I, I took them there a few times. You never imagined that, you know, just by car, three minutes away, four minutes away, terrorists can come streaming in from that area. And uh, this is, everybody felt the same way. Maybe the kibbutzim that were mamish actually on the border, Re'im, Be'eri, uh, Kfar Aza, they could actually see Gaza from, from their homes. So maybe they felt differently. But uh, we didn't feel close, even though we knew it was close. Uh, the, we take shortcuts through these roads to, to get to other places if we knew there was traffic or or there was an accident that was blocking things. Um, th- this, this, this is the area. And um, and Patish is not too far, but because they, yeah, they hit Ofakim, which is behind you. Even it's further than you are from the Gaza border. Even further, they hit even further, but it was contained uh, relatively quickly. Bashkacha Pratis. When when did you hear about what was going on? What was your reaction? Well, what was going on? I mean, because for us, it was Simchaster. It was it was it was Yomtiv. It was Yomtiv for us and. And we were just getting secondhand. You know, people were talking. We didn't know what was real and what was not. I imagine for you guys, it was quite different. In the beginning, it was the same. Um, you have to understand, nobody knew what was going on. Even the people who had their phones on and even people who had their TVs on, nobody knew what was going on. Um, and I knew less than everybody else because I didn't have my phone on. And uh, I didn't turn it on the whole Yom Tov, which... In some cases, could have been a lifesaver. In my case, Baruch Hashem, I didn't need to. Um, but we'll get to that. 
So Patish is very close to, to, to Gaza, and we are luckily not in the traje- trajectory of most of the rockets shot from Gaza. That means uh, we see everything, we hear everything, we hear Iron Dome shooting down missiles all the time, but we don't have sirens because the technology is so advanced today that within a, kilo- a kilo- let's say a mile, I was going to say kilometer or two, but let's say within a mile, I think they can pinpoint which areas have to uh, be careful of the rocket or shrapnel being being sent down when it's destroyed by the Iron Dome. So it's it's very pinpointed. It used to be that there would be a siren going off. It'd be everywhere. And slowly as the years have, have moved on, uh, you can have like a siren even in one moshav. And I'll hear I'll hear my next... The next na- the next moshav has a siren, but I don't. Or sometimes in in Beersheba, for example, you can have one neighborhood and the other neighborhood next door doesn't have a siren. That's how advanced the technology is. <clears throat> so we didn't have to worry as as the years progressed. We realized we weren't, you know, it can be noisy all over Israel, and we'll have like one or two sirens. And I even stopped going, to, uh, leaving the moshav when there were when there were attacks because I realized that normally um, we don't have to run to the a bomb shelter and it's and it's much more quiet in the moshav than it is in other places we can hear explosions but sirens which have a very psych, uh, strong psychological effect um are almost oh uh, we barely had them do you know why though why is it that 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 patish is never uh is never a target is it just because of the direction of never, where you are it's the direction of where you are uh, I can only assume, right? I, I'm not in the Israeli intelligence, but I'm for practical reasons. I mean, why waste, uh, why waste a rocket, which is probably going to be shot down by Iron Dome, or is going to miss its target? Uh, these, I'm, let's put the details out there. Uh, I think they've these monsters have proven themselves to be very smart. They're not dumb. They're very intelligent, wicked as they are. Uh, maybe probably even geniuses. And uh, so, so they're not dumb. Like, why waste a rocket um, sending it to some farm right. village where 90% of the space is empty? It's like a house, like 100, 200 right. feet, another exactly. house. I, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the satellite exactly. photos you here. Wanna, it's all empty. You want to kill cows? It's all like, empty. Like, go ahead. No reason it's a to. It's waste, yeah. a, waste, a waste of time and energy. <laughs> um, if they want to strike fear as much fear as possible and they're shooting in every direction, they'll, they'll shoot in our direction as well because um, they know... They're not trying to. Many times, they're not trying to to harm. They're trying to psychologically um, scare people because um, they realize there's Iron Dome. They miss, and uh, also they've realized as uh, that we have special protection from Hashem, as uh, I think has been published a few times. They interviewed some Hamas people who made comments like that. We have angels protecting us. They realize as smart as they are and as advanced as they um, create their rockets, it's still not working. So they're um, looking for the most densely populated areas, yes, which does not normally. include Patish, right? Or and um, Patish is not in not in the tra- is not in the tra- trajectory. I'm assuming of any of these big cities, right? So you want to hit Beersheva, you want to hit Ashkelon, Ashdod, you want to hit even your even your Shalim. We're not in that direction. Bring us back to um, Simchas Torah. So yeah, Simchas Torah. I wake up. Um, weird. Really weird. Um, there's there's thunder everywhere now. Thunder normally can be thunder, or it can be Iron Dome exploding rockets. And uh, I'm listening, and it's and first of all for me to wake up myself on a Yom Tov. 
after I said Lachaim the previous night and not be woken up by one of my kids is, is already a, <laughs> that's a chiddush. And nobody else woke up in the house. And I'm just listening, it's thunder and it's booming. And I said, that can't be, that can't be rockets. It doesn't make sense. Why not? Because it sounds more like machine gun rockets. There's so many of them. There's so many of them. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. I said, that's crazy. It's impossible that this, this is probably thunder, probably an early strange thunderstorm. We have, even though we barely have any rain, we have strange thunderstorms because on the horizon is, is, is Gaza and the sea. So we hear all different things. And I said, it doesn't make sense. So I go to my front door, I open up and, and I, explosions everywhere, far off. And then I hear sirens everywhere, except from my Moshav. I hear them from the Moshav in front of me, which is across the field. I hear them from Netivot. I hear them from Afakim. I hear the, like every direction possible. I hear sirens, not in my, though not in my village. And I said, okay, this, this is, this is, this is serious. I, I, I still don't know what serious means. They've decided to run our Yom Tov and they decide to shoot thousands of missiles. Or maybe we have, what everybody assumed is Israel assassinated some high ranking Hamas officer. And now they're just taking their revenge. Um, so I walk inside, wake up my wife quietly. Tell us the situation. You know, I'm probably not going to go to Shul. Shul is way too far away from me. I live really at the outskirts of the Moshav. It's a 10, 15 minute walk. Um, and any second now, we're probably going to have sirens. You what? Sirens? Let's not wake the kids. We don't have a bomb shelter, so we're going to leave them to sleep. There's, we have 30 seconds. There's no point in running anywhere. Um, and that's what we did. And the whole morning, explosions nonstop. And so we thought it was a crazy attack. And this is what most people think. I don't know what time. Maybe nine, ten o'clock. I go outside because it's it's quiet, and I go and I see one of the neighbors. He's looking in his phone, and I think to myself, "Well, you know, these people when they see me walking out on, on Yom Tov, they hide their phones. So this is serious." Okay, what's I ask him what's happening? He tells me, "Rabbi, um, look, there's hundreds of people being killed. There's there's about two hundred terrorists running around, and uh, they could be here any moment." He said, "They're in Urim." They're in Ofakim, which are right near us. People have been killed everywhere. And I said, that's impossible. Come on, 200 terrorists? He said, no, Rabbi, there's, there's maybe more. We don't know. I said, what, in Ofakim? He said, yeah, they're they're running around. It's it's like the Wild West. They're, they're shooting buildings. They're RPGing. And I said, something's overrated here. Like, the guy has his information wrong, but so, but there's obviously, he's getting some information. So there's, there's a group of terrorists running loose, and it's dangerous. Rush back home, tell my wife we're going to keep the doors locked. There's a situation going on. And uh, that's it. I was disconnected from the whole world until Matzei Simpasto. But this is the part where I completely disconnect myself and I go to what was happening with my Moshav. See, sirens are going on and off. And um, there are a few people trying to do hakafas, right? There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a backyard minion, which some neighbors have. And in between sirens, they're rushing out to do hakafas. And people start rushing in from the field. People bloodied people half-dressed, uh, just rushing in. And they look scary because, you know, you imagine just people rushing at you from a field, looking a mess, hysterical. I, I wasn't there. This is what people describing me. And mothers were like, okay, like, oh, are these people okay? Should we take our children inside? Like, And some other people yelling at them, you know, what are you guys doing in the fields? There's, there's sirens. Nobody knows what's happening. And I start telling them, terrorists are shooting us. They're these are the people who came from the party. A whole hundreds of people, I don't know how many, tens of uh. people came running by foot and they arrived at Amashav on foot. Tell me the terrorists couldn't do that. Wow. 
So people by now are turning on phones, turning on TVs, and uh, what time and, is and this? We hear, we hear, and people hear. Uh, this is, I would assume, around in between nine to ten in the morning. If it, I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what time. I didn't ask people for time, uh, so I'm assuming this is around that time. Maybe it was a bit earlier, because what happened was um, they sent they sent they started sending missiles six thirty in the morning. So that's basically when I woke up. And that was a cover for what was happening. Thousands of terrorists just coming across right. the border. But nobody nobody figured that out. We thought 100, maybe 50, you know, 200, somebody told me. I thought he was exaggerating. And uh, people are coming bloodied. Um, there's a medic in the Moshav. He got called out. Now, he, he keeps Shabbos. And he told me nobody calls me out in the Moshav. They know I don't keep Shabbos. Something serious happens. He goes out on the highway. He sees cars riddled with bullets. Um, he doesn't realize they're in Afakim. He goes into Afakim. He sees... He's terrorists riding around on bikes and on pickups, shooting everybody. I don't know exactly what he did, but he 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 was picking up people the whole time. He told me throughout the day, in in the beginning, he was getting uh, people who were shot, you know, in the whatever they were slightly wounded. Call they were, had a few shots. He said by the end of the day, he was packing up people into his ambulance who were riddled. And um, when I say people, I'm not talking about regular people. I'm talking about commandos. Uh, um, experienced cops, um, soldiers, people who, who basically rushed to the scene because they thought with their experience, they could obviously hold it off. And they were just mowing people down. You're talking about thousands of terrorists just rushing, rushing through the, the streets, rushing through the villages, uh, killing whoever they can. And they skipped over my Moshav. But what was happening in my Moshav is people are, we have no first response, by the way. If, if terrorists would have come in, we don't have organized units to, to defend ourselves. Our gates are always open. So we, we always complain about it. But our moshav, most moshavs in kibbutzim have gates. It doesn't really keep people out, but it keeps you out from coming in from the main road. So you have like an electrical gate. Everybody has the um, either a, a phone number they can call where they have access or, or it's open during certain hours. Our moshav is always open. And uh, so we have no defense. And people in Moshav just know that there's people in trouble. So what happens is they start going out into the desert, into the so, fields that are growing around the area, and they start picking people up. It was a total miracle that your Moshav got got skipped over by the terrorists. There was no defense. There was nothing stopping them. 100%. It was a miracle beyond miracles. Um, the more I think about it, the more I, I, get, I get goosebumps, the more um, I'm just in awe. Uh, it's also a very scary thought. You know, I, I don't live at my house. doesn't have any protection, pretty much. Um, my Moshav, you know, is is the whole entrance is old people. Old people and, and families. It's, it's actually one of the streets with the least amount of dogs in the Moshav, even. Like, that, that's how much protection there is. All the, the old people, like, we've seen there, been there, done that. There's a siren. They look up to the sky and they continue to, we're doing what they're doing. And we've been through the Yom Kippur War, and we're you know we're not scared by these people. So these people, they don't even a bunch of them don't even have dogs in their backyards to protect them, so to speak, because people sometimes um, raise dogs for that reason in these areas. And uh, it's just it's just a completely uh, defenseless, completely uh, defenseless. We would have been toast, completely defenseless. That's the word. Uh, that uh, that's my moshav and. I just heard the Shabbos, and, we... and just for and and just to clarify again for for the listeners, um, you said that the festival goers were actually running in from the fields. The festival was only six miles from 
your moshav. Six miles, yeah. So these people, yeah. So they were just running, and and between you and the festival, it's basically open fields. That's it. There is nothing in between. There's nothing. Just fields. There's a few army posts which were run over, completely run over. I mean, they they, they knew where everything was. I mean, I don't know. I know in Israel, this stuff um, gets passed around in the in the WhatsApp groups and is in the news. I don't know how much of this coverage reaches outside of Israel. Um, but over here, we're getting like more and more details. And also, I'm living it and I'm in contact with the people who experienced this. Um, but uh, we know we're finding out more and more how detailed it was. They, they had specific houses. Who lives here? Um, he has a dog. He has a weapon. Uh, where Where is his... Uh, where is his shelter? How many people are there? Should we kidnap them or should we kill them? Uh, that's that's the extent of their research and how much they knew, and um, and they found they found like they found uh, notes on some of these terrorists, really describing like who we're going to kidnap, who we're going to kill. In this house, there's a dog. In this house, the guy's armed. This house doesn't have a guy armed. Um, and they went house to house like this. And my Moshav was on the list. Apparently, I just well. So out. what they what they tell us here. What they tell us here is that uh, most of that information they were able to get because a lot of the people in the in all the moshavs were they had Palestinians who were working for them from Gaza and they were the people they were the leak. That that's true. That's that's what everybody's saying. I'll tell you more than that. I heard from a guy once before Gush Katif. You know, Gush Katif is the area where Gaza was, and it used to be an open sure. for all. Jews could go there. So years ago. I mean, Jews used to go into Gaza to, to fix their cars. It's cheaper. They knew people. They had friends there. And um, I know people who for years after Gush Katif were in contact with old friends in Gaza. That was, that's the feeling. Like, they never looked at, they never looked at it as, an, as a threat. Uh, yeah, there, there's Hamas and there's rockets. But people really were in contact. Um, not everybody. But some people really were in contact with many people in Gaza. Now, you don't know who's an informant. You don't know who's being forced to give over, over information. The Hamas, you know, they, they give the permits to leave Gaza on their side. So you could say it was purposefully informant or they, they would only let people leave if they gave them information. I don't know. But there's plenty of information going back and forth. Who built many of these houses, like you said, uh, people from that area? So they knew everything. Um, very detailed. Um, the army bases, they knew everything. They, they, I mean, this is all stuff. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sure this is all stuff that's out there and everybody's heard about this. It is, but um, every time you mention the diabolical nature of it, that becomes that's just takes it's just scary. It's scary that they that they they mapped all this stuff out, and it's of course, it's perfectly normal to have uh, um, Palestinian friends if. If they don't mean harm, you know what I'm saying. Especially if you if if you've been going back and forth, you know somebody your whole life, or whatever. You can know a Palestinian person for 20 years, and think you trust them, and you know, and and give them information or employ them, or whatever the relationship is. You never think that it's going to come back to bite you. 100. I'll tell you more. Um, there's somebody I met, and um, this is his account. Again, I never fact checked this. He claimed that him and several of his friends had been sending financial to support to, support to some of the families they knew in Gaza after Gush Katif, to friends of theirs from when they could go visit each other. Um, so they never viewed them, many of the people, never viewed them 
uh, as this monstrous threat is going to come in one day with one focused goal, and that is kill as many Jews as possible. And uh, it was actually this focused goal that they say is what saved us. Um, they were supposed to come to Patish. They were supposed to come to Maslul, which is near me. They got to Gilat. Gilat is after Ofakim. I heard from uh, my friend who's a Chabad Shliach there. He said there was a woman, uh, I'm not sure if she's a commander or just an advanced uh, um, um, combat soldier. She got the call that there's terrorists. She left her house. She walks out the Moshav. She sees four terrorists standing at the entrance to the Moshav. She didn't think twice. She took them down right there. She shot them all down. So that Moshav was wow. saved. There were four terrorists that got there. This is Gilat. This is stuff that isn't in the news. Um, there were terrorists hiding out. They had plans that Israel would have uh, a comeback and they would hide out. They had food. Um, I heard one person told me that he was told Again, I, you can fact check this. I don't know if it's 100% true, but for example, the medic uh, who was driving back and forth and had people who were riddled with bullets, many of them I'm assuming didn't survive, unfortunately, he said that he heard from, from first-hand account that they found over 3,000 grenades the army collected after that weren't used, and they came in They came in for slaughter, they came in for war, bloodthirsty, and that's all they saw. All they saw was Jewish blood. And they got so caught up in killing Jews and killing Yidin that it took them too long. That means that there's this, there's all these, you know, all these targets out there. So, so instead of continuing on to the, with their plan, first let's kill these thousands of Jews at the party fest. I mean, we didn't imagine there would be so many and so easy. That's one thing that slowed them down. Another major major miracle is, and and many people I think have said this, but to live through it is different. And to, when you meet the people. Here and there, it's also different. And when you also go to Levi's, if people didn't make it, um, it's different. I want to get to that. This is an important detail. But um, people ran out of their houses, uh, soldiers, policemen. Um, they, they weren't on duty, right? They ran and they started fighting with the terrorists. And this slowed them down. This slowed them down. Who knows how much? People say the army didn't show up. The army didn't show up did not show up in, in its en masse. And we didn't see planes for hours, but uh, we didn't hear planes or see planes for hours. But but there were units that arrived in the area and 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 there were units that assembled there somehow. I don't know how, like friends called up. They said, look, you got to get down here. We need help. And they really held off the, the attack as much as possible. And the amazing Mr. Snefesh of what I'm about to tell you now, which is what I started. So the Moshav people hear that there's people being attacked. So my Moshav and the next door Moshav, Maslul, which is two miles away from us. I don't know, something like that. Um, these are people who know the area. You know, this land is my land. I grew up here. They they, 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 they know the desert. They know the orchards. They, you know, the teenagers can sneak into cities. They don't need to, they don't, they don't need to, they don't need to take a bike and, and worry about police stopping them because they know how to go through the desert. Teenage kids. I mean, I, I teach, I teach some of these kids and uh, I'm like, oh, well, why do you have a cast on your foot? Hey, Rabbi, look, I somersaulted over this sand dune over here and I fell off. And I, like, they're, they're laughing like, oh my goodness. Like these kids, they spend their time out there and this is what their fathers did and this is what their grandfathers did. So they know the area and they, these guys all have pickup trucks. They just go there and they start driving there. They're being shot at and they dodge and they hide and they pick up people, wounded people. They go back for more. They get a phone call 
You know, people start sending around numbers. There's somebody here, there's some, and they know where these areas are. They're not lost. The teenagers, not teenagers, the guys who are running, the guys in, who at the party fest don't know where they are. Some of them didn't even realize apparently they were on the Gaza border. You know, there's a party. Let's go party. And uh, these Moshavnikim know where they are. They know where to hide. They know where to run. They're the only ones probably who know the area that well. And the amazingness is I don't think any one of these rescuers was, was harmed. Right. So you're talking about regular civilians. Uh, you're talking about even maybe older people who, you know, retired, not retired, but, you know, I don't know. I know one guy in his 60s. I think he's in his 60s, maybe a bit younger. Um, he saved, I think, over 100 people that day. Um, went back and forth, back and forth. It's six minutes. It's six minutes. If Right. If, if you know, if, if, if you have a pickup that can just plow through the desert. I mean, that's how close we are. So they're going back and forth and they're being shot at. And uh, I don't have no idea how many people there are, but I know of at least four or five, maybe six in my Moshav. I know of one or two in the next door Moshav. And they say it saved hundreds of people's lives, which is another miracle. Clearly, knowing the terrain it's is a huge advantage. And, and Gilat is so far. It's so far, even from you guys, even from Patish, it's very far. And then you look at Ofakim, and it's so dense and the in Ofakim. And they got there. Like I, It's a wonder how they made it out of there. Meaning, if if just going through the streets of Ofakim could take you hours, tens of hours, if, you have, if you're going house to house. So what, I just don't understand what their methodology was. Did you just, did they just go to the outskirts of Ofakim and then pass on to Gilat? So specifically, no. So first of all, I mean, in hindsight, we know there were, I think, we don't know, we have no idea how many terrorists actually came, but the last assumption I heard um, was th over 3,000. That's wow. an army. You don't need oh, to wow. go house to house. I wow, I didn't hear that. Okay, you, you need wow. tank, you need, you know, you need two guys, okay, with AK-47s and grenades and RPGs. That's all you need, two guys to walk into a neighborhood, right? Seven in the morning, everybody's sleeping, half, you know, just woke up gritty. Who knows? Who, didn't have a good sleep. They had a little time before they went to sleep. Just start throwing grenades, shooting, RPGing. There's a video of, of, of them RPGing a car in Sterot at point blank. Like, what is it? Like 20 feet from the car. He's just lying on the ground. He waits for the car to come. And I can, you know, but I imagine like this guy's like trying to figure out what's happening. This guy's lying in front of my car and there's a bunch of armed people. And then boom, they just RPG a regular car. Nuts. And um, so, so they were split up, I guess, into units, and they, and they just spread out. They each had their targets. They each had their their objectives, and they were supposed to keep to it. And, and the um, fight back was critical, oh, obviously. The 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 response, whatever it was, from the citizens, from from the units that were able to respond, clearly slowed them down, as you said. Clearly, clearly, and and uh, you know it's Israel, so you have in every community all sorts. You have you have. You have regular soldiers, you have, you have old people, regular people, rabbis, and you have in every community a couple of, of, of elite combat guys. So also these guys, they banded together. Look, many, many of these people actually were killed, right? Many of these, uh, I'm not going to call them first responder medics, but they were first responder um, combat. Yeah, and uh, many of them, many of them did not survive. My brother's in the army, and... Uh, um, actually, uh, he was wounded, right? Uh, not wounded. He had an ex in Erev Yom Kippur. So 
out in hindsight, like a, a scary thought was, you know, I'm happy he had that accent. He better not hear this. He doesn't speak English, but okay. Um, because if I, I probably would have invited him for Simchas Torah. <laughs> and knowing my brother, he's already, he's he's in what we call Keva, right? He's finished his, his uh, whatever it is, two and a half, three year term. And he's he's already a commander. I don't know what um, what his uh, Darga is. I don't know how to, also I wouldn't know how to translate into English, but he has soldiers he, under his command and he's the type of person, if he would have been by me yep. and he would have heard what's going on, he would have rushed out to defend and he would have, he, he, right? And who knows what would have happened? What actually happened was that he got, even though he was he, he was trying to heal from his accent, he got called up on Simchas Torah and he looked and he knows where I live. He knows the terrain and he's calling me frantically the whole Simchas Torah because he's terrified. He's like, my brother's there. Right, my, he sees Ofakim, Urim, Beri, Reim. He says that's that's that area. He know he's been to visit me. He knows it. He's a soldier. He can read maps, and he's calling me. And I only heard one phone call. And I didn't answer the phone, so I didn't think of much of it. Matzei Simchastar, I answer the phone. He's yelling at me. Are you nuts? Are you crazy? And I still didn't understand what's happening. So I crack a joke. He said, "You're crazy." And he hangs up the phone. I told him, "Like I'm fine. Everything's okay." But that's all he had to hear. Matzei Simchastar comes, and things start getting clear. So now what do we go? What are the, the peace? So I, I, I reached out to you guys because I said people are following the soldiers, people are following the victims, the people in hospital. And, um, and there's all the, there's all these areas where I live, maybe even off Akim. Um, nobody hears about them. Nobody knows what these people are going through. And there's heroes in the story. Like I said, people went to save people. Amazing stories. I mean, that mysterious nefesh is crazy. I mean, imagine a woman yelling at her husband, you're not going out. And he's like, I'm going to save people. There are people in trouble. And she's like yelling at him, you're not leaving the house. And I actually know of one woman who didn't let her husband out. Okay. She, she, he said, I wanted to go, but she said, you're over my dead body. You're not leaving the house. You're not leaving us here like this. Um, but these guys went out there and they saved people. So the day after is when heroes. things start setting. These are the heroes. They're real he heroes. I mean, and these are regular people, not soldiers, just regular people. Um, Simchas Torah ends and we start, the army starts coming in. By that night, we already had tons of soldiers in the area. Um, just just people coming in from all, all over. Army power, firepower, people being armed. Uh, you're able to hold a gun? Okay. Uh, people being recruited. Um the whole place is because the whole place is still an army base, though this whole area right, right now on the Gaza border. But the place is like turning over, and we're told that there's still many terrorists out there. We're told um, to close our windows, keep the blinds shut so they can't see, and not to go outside. Not to go outside. Now, the first day I, I actually didn't really go outside. Um, most what was that night like? But what I was that night like? Did anybody this. for a full whole week? My what was that night like? Were you able to sleep? What was that nobody night was, like? Yeah, nobody was sleeping, I imagine. I I went to sleep. Other people, I'm sure, did not. Other people who saw what happened did not. Um, there are people traumatized till now. We'll get to that, I hope. Um, I went to sleep because um, I wasn't yet fully aware of what was going on, and I hadn't heard of anybody that I know of yet that had suffered. So I was able to disconnect myself. The other people in the Moshav, they spent the whole day bandaging people, housing people who were bloodied, who were shocked. You know, people came, I don't even, I can't even imagine their stare, but people were, were freaking out from the look on these survivors' faces. They came like, 
hysterical. I can only imagine it was the look of of like a, a dead person. You know, when somebody has, I don't know, I, I'm just imagining it. So, uh, some, the light the light is gone from the, their exactly. eyes. Exactly. Like when somebody, I've seen it when people, nobody should know such things, have heard that they have a, a very dangerous illness. You come visit them and you see like the light's gone out of their eyes. Like they're shocked. Like they're, people overcome it, Baruch Hashem, but I'm assuming that was the look on their face. And people were just scared for, from what, from the way these people were, the facial expression that they came rushing out of the fields that they that they had when they were sitting in their homes and they were taking care of them, and there, some people were, were actually wounded, and, and and as the day was wearing on, more and more people were also were being brought, brought in by medics who didn't know where to take them, and they'd seen this. I mean, there's a description. A, a friend of mine, he, he came home and tell his wife like two weeks what he saw there. He, he went and he saw somebody with his hand blown off, and he saw blood all over the place and people being bandaged. Very graphic stuff. Um, you, you, uh, I just want to say something. You want to talk about monsters. So I heard of a Leviah that was stopped mid-Leviya because the security personnel came. And we'll get to Leviah in a moment because it's a very important thing for people to understand. He said, we suspect that the terrorists put a grenade inside the body. We're going to have to take the body back and search it. Okay, this is what these animals were doing. They booby-trapped bodies. They booby-trapped vehicles. They booby-trapped... That as much destruction as possible. Even when they left an area, leave as much destruction as possible. Um, so people who had seen things, I don't think they could sleep. Part of my ability to... to I believe to it, because we, we can't sleep here and, and we're not anywhere near it. And so I, I, I did my sleep, best to so not look at any images. I, I think you also mentioned that on the podcast. right? But, but uh, immediately people still, me and my wife were like, no, don't look at images. Even if I listen to stuff, I, I try not to look at the image. I don't want to, I don't want it to become, I made one mistake. Um, I did look at an image once and it wasn't even a horrible image. It was just so painful. They had these uh, papers saying kidnapped that they're posting up all over the place. So I, I was, I was curious, like what, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the red the red posters. Exactly. Yes, Kidnapped, of course. Right. So, but they, so enough. here in the United States, they're they're all over the place, and unfortunately, many of the anti semites are ripping them off. So a family WhatsApp group had had it posted, and I was like, curious. Okay, doesn't what is it? I'm opening it up. Okay, and I immediately realized. But you know, as I'm thumbing down on my phone, looking at the the files, it doesn't click immediately that I have to shut it off. So I'm like, okay, these are the people kidnapped, and then. There's a baby. He's the exact same age as my son. Okay. And that and that was one of the few times I looked where I shouldn't have looked. And then and that hit me really hard. I shut that my phone off so fast. I closed that that PDF file and I deleted it. I mean, maybe some people need to see this. Many people do. Anti-Semites need to see it. They need to look into the eyes of those people. But I don't need to see it. I'm living through it. Um Baruch Hashem in a positive way relative to other people who are really suffering. What is the feeling, you know, post the attack? Uh, wh what is it like for you? I mean, are you still living in your moshav? Is every is everybody else there? Did they tell you to leave? We, you Great know, it's, it's very hard for us because we get conflicting reports. Great question. So many places were told to leave. This is a story of my moshav, but there's there's a very important thing to understand. I'm just saying it, the story of where I live because this is what I experienced. But there's also all these places around. So many places were evacuated. Many places were evacuated afterwards. Like you have uh, Ashkelon, which has been bombed so much. The, the terrorists didn't get there, I think. But they've had so many rockets. They evacuated portions of the city. Um, Sterot has been evacuated. I mean, the, the, the Chabad Shliach there. 
Uh, I think he had a minor heart attack last week. Baruch Hashem, he's okay. But the amount of stress, uh, you know, living through this. Um, and and I, his son has an amazing story. I didn't answer my phone. He answered his phone on and it saved his life. He just left his house. He knew there were, he heard rockets. Okay, I'm going to rush to Mikvah for sure. His brother-in-law called him. He said, my brother-in-law's from. He answered his phone. His brother, he answered his phone. His brother-in-law said to him, don't go out of the house. They've got control of the police station. He said, I would, I would, that's right, right near where I live. So wow. he answered his phone. It saved his life. I, Baruch Hashem, didn't answer my phone, but I didn't need to. Um, so, so crazy stories. So imagine the stress. So Sderot has been evacuated. All the, all the kibbutzim mashavim after before me have been evacuated. I think we're like the first line of defense that hasn't been evacuated, on this on at least in this area. Uh, Nitifat hasn't been evacuated, although I think in some areas it might be closer than me. It probably is closer than me in some in the aerial uh, distance. So you're talking about Kfar Aza and Nachal Oz and Be'eri. All those have been evacuated. Well, uh, Be'eri, there's nothing left. Uh, Re'im, there's nothing left. What do you mean, nothing left? Okay. Here's a detail I forgot. The whole Simchas Torah, I'm smelling smoke. I'm smelling smoke. The house is, it's not thick enough. The fire, the, the fire alarm doesn't go off, but it's annoying. It's irritating. It's getting into my nose. My, my wife's complaining. I feel irritated. And we don't know where the smoke's coming from. Eventually, I thought it was because um, firemen couldn't get to rockets that were landing and causing fires because there was a shooting. A few days later, I found out. Basically, terrorists burn everything in many of the areas with people inside sometimes. Um, and I hope this isn't too graphic. If you guys want to edit this out, this is fine. And somebody once time, this this maybe you should edit out. I'll let you guys decide. Uh, I told somebody, I said, this smoke is irritating. He tells me, yeah, the smell of people being burned. I said, what? Okay. And, and then a few days later, I found out I, I found out that, that they just burnt whole houses. And if people were inside, they didn't care that that was their purpose. So they burnt down all these, a whole a lot of these areas. There's nothing left. And whatever is left has been evacuated and soldiers are there, or there's just nothing left. So that's Barry and Rain, pretty much. There are some kibbutzim that survived, luckily. Miracle stories, I'm sure, got to the news. And they've been evacuated. And these people are going through really hard times as well. I mean, imagine being three weeks, even if set you set you up in a hotel. Without your own house, without your own bed, your own kitchen, your own privacy, uh, and many of these people were rushed out, or they rushed out. So, so what did you pack? In my where I live, it was funny in the WhatsApp groups. After a few days, people were like, "Okay, we were setting up uh, an emergency help team for all the abandoned pets, dogs and cats, just roaming." Because people, you know, they packed their bags and they left the moshav. Their families that still haven't come back. So the whole the first uh, ten miles people. of the border basically is is empty now. Cleared off. Wow. So, packed with soldiers. Packed with soldiers. Um, again, they keep on saying that we shouldn't give over too many details um, of what we see as civilians, so that no information should leak out. So I don't know what's important, what isn't. So I'm going to try and keep my details about the army as as little as possible. I have no idea what's what details are important or not, but. If it helps, no, it goes into hate. So, so I'll, but it, it's packed with soldiers. Um, right, and they're launching units, like they're launching unit. stuff from your backyards, pretty much, right? Like, uh, less than half a mile from my house, 
things all over the area. When you hear that they're attacking Gaza, basically it's on my expense because I have to hear them to making all that noise. So we're fine with, I mean, my, my daughter's already, every time she hears an explosion, she has no idea if it's it's an Iron Dome explosion or ours. But I've taught her that all the explosions she hears now are us shooting at Gaza. She goes, yes, another one. <laughs> so, but we, we hear the Shabbos, we heard it the whole night. It's crazy. And, um, you know, war is time when they try out new technology. So there's all these new sounding missiles that sometimes you hear weird explosions. You have I have no idea what this technology is, what it does, but uh, I'm assuming it's it's pretty damaging. And they're all set up all over the area, all over the border. It's not, I mean, that's not news. That's not information. Um, they're just everywhere. So Sunday, people are not clear what's happening. Sunday afternoon, evening, reports start coming in of of the names, and the names are adding up. I'm piling up. I'm sorry more and more names and eventually somebody even told me said everybody's saying by now that the list is close this is when the list was about 400 okay killed everybody said he said everybody's saying that the list is over a thousand they just don't want to break the news like they don't report on the news a one shot that it was a so we're still counting we're still counting but and uh then you start hearing about people you know so i personally only knew one person a young girl she was just drafted and she was in a room Orim is three miles from where I live. Her parents had obviously pushed for her to be near home. And it's a, a boring spot. Every single soldier except for one, every single policeman that was at that post was killed. And uh, a very tragic story because that family had, had another tragic story a few years ago. And there's a few stories like this. The families are going through tragedies and then this hits them. But she's the only one I actually knew. But as the days go on, I'm meeting people. And, and oh, one second, the person, that cop who was killed in Afakim is your nephew? Oh, I didn't know. Oh, one second, that undercover policewoman who they just identified her, that's your niece? And and you have 10 brothers and sisters in this moshav and her grandmother is here? I, I had no idea. One second, where are you coming from? Afakim? Yeah, we just went to the Leviah of two of our nephews. Oh, and him? Oh, he just lost his uncle, uh, his cousin, and their son, and and the story, and you you're like what, and the story, and 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 you're thinking, as, even though I don't know these people who passed away, I know the people who are connected to them. I think of the pain they're going through, and and there was one house, I didn't even check, double check afterwards, but um, my I heard a rumor that somebody was related to them had passed away, had been one of the people killed, and uh, somebody told me, yeah, I heard screaming yelling in the house the other day, uh, like a woman screaming. I guess uh, they gave them the information. And you hear like these stories and people are in pain. And I personally, like I said, only knew one of these soldiers. But what people are going through is a week and a half, two weeks of Levias. There are so many dead. They brought freezers to the entrance of the of the base of Chaim to store the bodies there. You had You had people waiting in line. So um, people didn't know when they were going to be called for their turn to bury their their, their, their loved ones. And the one person, he told me 11 o'clock at night, he ended up burying up. He, he ended up, the Leviah ended up being uh, a week later because there's just so many people. And um, the head shliach, I'm a Chabad shliach. I, I don't know if we, met, we mentioned this at the beginning. So the shliach I'm under, he, he lives in Gilat. And I saw him one of these days and I... I wanted some encouragement, so I tried to get a smile out of him. And this guy's made out of steel. 
he's the type of rabbi he can in the morning attend a bar mitzvah, then go to a bris, then go say vidu with somebody who's passing away, lahavdil, <laughs> then go uh, attend a shiva call, and then go and marry a couple. <laughs> now this is this is like some of his regular days, and he sometimes laughs at me, calls me a softy for 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 being oversensitive about some of these things, but. It's hard to transfer between such things, but he he's made of steel. I, was, I mean, obviously he's human, and I've seen him cry at some levias. Uh, and and I, I and I so I bumped into him in shul in Ofakim. We went there. We were both doubling the same minion, and uh, I tried to get him to smile. I wanted to. I wanted him to give me words of comfort because he's this, you know, really strong character. He looked at me um, with sad eyes, and he said, "I can't smile." He said, "I can't laugh." He said, "I've been burying." For the past week, so many people that I know. He's been here for 20 years. He knows every single soldier in the area that was killed, five or six kids. He 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 said Tyrat Siva with them. He gave them candies when they were kids. He remembers them in diapers. Some of them were really close to him. The girl in Maimoshav, he knew her before we moved there. Uh, he used to do, so uh, you know, what Lubavitchers do. He used to go around, have Tzivus Hashem. And he, he knows this girl. He knows the families. Uh, some of the cops, and and he's he. There was one day he was at five levias, one after the other. Each levia is an hour long. That's five six hours being at levias of people he knew, and he's not the only one like this. I mean, he he in his in his position, he's a rabbi. He's he's a you know you he's a comforter. Name? He's a supporter. Rabbi Leo Abada. Rabbi Leo Abada. He doesn't speak English. That's okay. He just deserves <laughs> he doesn't even the know, credit. He doesn't even know. I'm, he doesn't even know I'm doing this. Uh, great guy and when he said that that was hard because he he like for me i mean he's he's not a big guy i'm like a big guy compared to him he's like a little guy but he's made of steel and when he said that that was really hard and but that but that sums up what people were feeling like uh during this time um and then uh, then you hear the horror stories like i told you i, I don't um i told you a while ago they booby trapped some of the bodies um, I mean, this. Some of the other stuff has also been in the news. I don't want to get too graphic. Yeah. So tell us what life is like now and, and getting back okay, to so normal. There's no like, getting back to normal like? in the coming future. Um, at least, Am Yisrael, we're not bound by nature. Um, they tell us the war can continue for a few months. First of all, I don't want to get political, but I don't trust the government or what they say. <laughs> I mean, even right now, I spoke to a guy this past week. Here, again, you want to know what people feel like? So here's this. I went to visit somebody. He tells me, Rabbi, I'm a tough guy. I'm not afraid of anything. This is what he tells me. This is a farmer. I mean, he's been through the army and everything. He tells me, but when those attacks happened and I heard what was going on, I looked at my kids and I'd never been so afraid in my life. He said, to think, like, what can I do to protect my children? Me? I don't care about me. My kids. A little. He said, that scares me. He says, how... How do we continue from here? That's what many people feel like. But but he told me this guy, he said, he said, they were given reports. We've retaken Beri. We've taken, we've, uh, we've, uh, Tihaunu, we, we've uh, cleared out Raim. He said, and I'm hearing over the transmission of soldiers that there's still fires going on, that there's still uh, shooting going on over there. They're still trying Terrorists. to, so, so, so they're reporting on the news that everything's calm. And a few miles away from me, they're still trying to get those terrorists. Like, how much can you lie? About? Look, they have their calculations, but 
Uh, so anyways, I don't want to get political, but the Jewish people are not, we're not, we're not bound by nature. So what actually happens, Hashem decides. But what they're saying now is there's three, four months of war ahead of us. Three, four months and people's security, sense of security, I should say, has been completely destroyed. Like I said, we were close to Gaza psychologically. We were nowhere near any danger. And now there's families who have left, haven't come back. They're in hotels for three weeks. It's very nice. People help them out. They have even psych psychologists. I mean, Ami Sol has opened up his heart. Some people have opened up, opened up their homes. But three weeks to be away from your home. Um, there's not one family. There's some families that just came back now after two weeks. Um, some people haven't left their houses still or just started after three weeks opening up their doors. Like the first week after the Simchas Torah, like I said, we had lockdowns, we had security alerts, um, and you didn't know, is it really a terrorist? So one time, four terrorists were found a few hundred feet from my house. They were killed. Okay? Four terrorists. In the, this is like three, four days after Simchas Torah, hiding out in the fields. Then there was a lockdown for four I I had just left the Moshav. I decided I'm taking my kids to breathe some fresh air. They'd been locked out in the house for six days. So this was Thursday night. We had a lockdown for three and a half hours. Okay, people were told to shut their blinds, keep their doors locked, and the army's checking out what happened. Uh, I don't want to say what actually probably happened, but you understand the feeling of people in fear. And the WhatsApp groups. What's happening? Is any, have any, has anything been found? Finally, the... <laughs> the people in charge of WhatsApp group shut it down so that only um, posts can, can send messages. And but nobody knew, right? That the Moshav is in lockdown. The you know, you walk I walk out to visit somebody and there's soldiers next to me, and somebody, a soldier, some and suddenly a soldier comes over to me. Now in English this probably sounds better than it does in Hebrew. Sir, I've just been informed you're to go indoors, lock your house, and not come out until informed otherwise. I'm like, what? We have Orders that all <laughs> civilians are to go indoors now. It's like, what? <laughs> Everybody rushes inside. This is what it was like the first week. And um, very tense. And people are living through this. People haven't left their houses, some of them. I mean, slowly people are trying to get back to normal, but there's no school. I think it's important, though, to mention that the people that were killed, they were killed at Kiddush Hashem. And you're speaking about Levi's. I think it's like worthwhile to mention that these people that that die, they don't go uh, through a traditional Tyra. As they are, they go straight into the ground. And the reason for it is, though, is that we want that they should stand in front of the Kisei HaKavid in the clothing that they were killed in and plead in front of Hashem and say, this is what's going on. Take revenge for Klai Yisrael and bring us the Mashiach. That's why we say Hashem Yikom Damam, Hashem should take revenge for their blood, and that's why they stand in front of the Kisei HaKavit in the very clothing and the exact way that they were killed, that's how they're buried, so that they can do that. I think that's just an important, like, as we're speaking about those Leviahs, those victims are Kedoshim, there's not a question. But I also want to know from, from you, how, and, and I'm always puzzled by this, how do you get children past this? I know you have young children. What are they telling okay. you? How are they telling you to deal with them? Great question. How do you, how do you make so a kid of, feel safe again? Great question. I'm not a psychologist. Um, it's a big problem. Um, this is actually one of the reasons I turn to you guys. Um, 
basically why, why did I, I i didn't i didn't want to come i i don't know how you guys are going to edit this and everything i didn't want to come and do this so that everybody can hear a, ha a sad story and could feel wow like we, we feel so sad i mean i want to get people emotionally connected to the story but why um see remind me please to get back to the children in a moment if i forget um i was i was shell-shocked um Sometimes I guess I still am, even though I wasn't personally, I don't know if you could say I wasn't personally. I mean, knowing people and having friends going through so much, but my personal family is okay, Baruch Hashem. All my really close friends, Baruch Hashem, are okay. Um, I'm, still, I'm still shocked sometimes, and it's hard for me to, to get through. But I was going through a hard time, and I reached out to to some fellow shluchim in Israel, and I said, you know, guys, it would be really nice if you guys could come down to my neck of the woods and Fabreng, because I see there's people going to Sterot and all these, uh, and Ashkelon, which are places that seriously need, seriously need comfort. But we're a whole group of guys here. We're four, we're four Lubavitch Shluchim in my area in these villages, and we're alone. And we have families, and we have wives, and we have kids. And imagine how encouraging it would be if I say, wow, look, a fellow Shliach came from the other side of Israel to say hello and see how you guys are just for two minutes. And they came like a whole group, like 15, 20 guys the next day. Like they said a hundred percent, they arranged the group and they came. And this is when, this is when I started thinking about reaching out to you guys. I'm going to get to the point. And they went to each of each of us, four of us There's in Mabuim. There's in Maslul next to me. And there's the head Shliach in Gilat. And there's me in Patish. And they sat down with each of us. They gave our kids toys and you know what? I thought they were going to come and give us inspiration. There was some interesting characters there, Shluchim, who know how to speak very nice. And all they did was listen to us. But they listened. They were like with mouths agape. I said, "What? They, they've heard everything in the news. Some of these guys have been nonstop at Leviathan themselves. Some of these guys have been to five, six Leviathan in the past three, four days themselves, the people in their community. But it's different." Because in their community, it's a member of the community, and they ha they live in big areas, so they don't necessarily know everybody. By us, we're living it constantly. Maybe they have more sirens, and maybe a rocket fell in their neighborhood. But their sense of security that a terrorist could come knocking on your door, burst it open, take your children from you, and you can't do anything. The sense <laughs> that, that you could have lost everything in a moment and that you're living it now, they didn't have. And they, and I, I thought, like, they know everything. They're also going through stuff. And they were completely uh, shocked. And the fact that they listened to me gave me such chizuk and support. And they didn't say anything. And I would, I had such a boost of energy. And the other shluchim as well. And just because they came and they visited, just because they came to show support. And I said, if this is how I feel, I always know I go around and I support people and I'm with the families who are grieving and I give a hug and people cry on my shoulder and I, I say drushes of encouragement and then that, that's my that's my job. Um, I try to connect people to Hashem. I try to tell them how, how important life is and, 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 and how the neshama still lives on 100%. But if I got encouragement just from people coming to my house for half an hour and listening to me, just blabber on right, about my experience, how do other people in my Moshav feel? And then today somebody called me up and he said, my father came from England with parakeets for kids in 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 uh, hit in uh, in areas like yours. Can we come and visit? 
And I got such chizuk. He came around and we went over to a few families whose fathers were drafted and haven't seen their fathers for two, three weeks. We gave them presents from people in England and the families were like overjoyed. So I got chizuk again today from this guy and I saw how much the families were getting chizuk and uh, this strengthened. This is basically why I reached out and I'm not going to forget. We're going to get back to the kids in a moment is that um, they're regular people on the ground. You know, we've become the Otef Aza. We've become like the new front frontier and uh Hashem will stay i hope i hope the army does what it has to do and with hashem's help they will and they'll succeed and we'll see nisim um but many people have their hearts opened many people want to help come to Israel if you do you know we're going to have three four months it's going to be a lot safer and there's the big areas there's going out to soldiers there's dancing with them which is wonderful and many of these soldiers need chizuk but there's also these kids so you can go to a city and you can search them out and you can find a child here maybe lost a father or lost a brother or hasn't seen his father who's in Milum. Or you can come to whole areas who are living this way and you can give them chizuk. Um, and this is very, very important because the government doesn't know how to give support. Um, we're, we're all hearing about humanitarian aid. I've never received any humanitarian aid. I haven't seen any humanitarian aid for all the Yidin who suffer and lost stuff. There's always talks about people who lost business, how much they're going to get. We don't get any aid. Um, emotionally, officially, there, there are psychologists and psychiatrists, but you can't. they do their job, obviously, and people will go to them. You can't compare the heart of a Yid coming to encourage another Yid. You know, we're one... We're one body. And you're, when you strengthen reminding one body, strengthen the whole the body. Yeah, go ahead. You're, re- <laughs> you're reminding me of the Pasuk, Ish el Achiv Yoimar Chazak. It's your brother. Yeah, it's your brother that has to tell it to you. You know? Your brother 100%. tells you Chazak, then, then that's what works. Not the government, not uh, humanitarian aid, not the UN, not a foreign 100%. entity. Your brother needs to tell you Chazak. Come on, you got this. Right? hundred percent. So, I mean, I mean, Levi, is there is there anything that we, our listeners, can do for you guys? I decided not to go in that direction. Support. I decided just to let it out there that <laughs> that the support is 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 really appreciated, and people can come up with different things. I mean, look, people came to visit us. I'm telling you, the amazing amount of support um, that I felt that I saw the families. I went around to, to a few families. Today, just with an, with an old rabbi from England, uh, Rabbi Afyun, um, amazing. And they just saw him and they were like, wow, you, you came to Israel like now, like to visit us? And th- these kids who hadn't seen their father. Well, the truth of the matter is it's not Pashad. I mean, there's videos of uh, planes that were trying to land in Ben-Gurion Airport and they had to circle because there were literally lock- rockets f- overhead and the Iron Dome was taking them out. Uh it's it's actually not pushed. I mean, I was wondering about that, but it, it really is not simple. Great question. I'm assuming that's gonna. I'm assuming that's gonna be less of a problem as time goes on. But how many of those were there? I think maybe it happened one time, maybe one time. I don't know. But the fact is, planes. Yeah, I saw one video. <laughs> but that's why it's a chizuk. It's it's a chizuk because <laughs> it's hard to get there. So you don't go to dangerous places, but you have to know That's right. that Eretz Yisrael is not a dangerous place. Uh, you said this on the podcast, right? I, right? I was I was smiling when you guys said that. You said, "Well, now we, we feel did say it. we did say that, it. Uh, you know it's safer in Israel than anywhere else." Well, Babich Rebbe always said that. 
Yes, so and even you know people could debate. Did he mean at a specific time? But there's a bracha in Eretz Yisrael. There's a crazy bracha. I mean, we do all the mistakes possible. Uh, people speak about this great, powerful army, and you know it's it's a very high tech and very powerful. But they have all the, and I don't, and I love our soldiers, and I think they're the greatest people. I'm talking about the what they call the the brass, not the people on top. What do they call the people on top? The, the top the brass. The top brass, that's, that's what I'm looking for. They have this over sense of confidence. And they, and they think they're fooling you when they tell you. Like, like Boimer, they had this mission to to teach Hamas a lesson. They ruined our whole Lag Boimer. We had, in Lubavitch, we had Lag Boimer parades planned. We had shows. Lag Boimer morning, they went into uh, to Gaza. They killed some important people there. Um, Bar Hashem. And then we got all the barrages. We, th then we did have sirens as well, the whole South. And I remember, uh, so then there were statements, we have given Hamas such a strong hit. We've set them back months, maybe years. And I was laughing, okay, guys, go kid somebody else. Here we are. What is it, two, three months later, four months later? Hashem Yishmol, you know. Who, who are you kidding that you get? You're not fooling anybody. But they have like this over sense of confidence. And I want to tell you a very scary story. Um, it's about, and it also connects to what you said, though. I wanted, I'm gonna first start with all the people that were killed or killed or killed Hashem, and it's a dikim, no question about it, but I'm gonna tell you a story that I just heard. So, Barry and Raim are two very leftist, um, Hamas loving, um, non religious areas, and there was a woman there, um, she got, she got friendly with a woman in my moshav. My wife heard this from the woman. A few months ago, they were working there together, and somebody came and said, "What? We're right near Gaza. May Hashem protect you from them." All right. So the woman looked him in the eyes. She said, "No, Sal protects us from." Um, this this woman who was telling the story to my wife said, "I tried to reach her afterwards, and eventually I found out she and her husband were killed." Uh, as Yidin, we have to understand. I mean, she she was killed al Kiddush Hashem. Nothing to do with her life story. She was killed al Kiddush Hashem. Have to understand. I thought of this right away, and I and I started telling this to people. And I'm sure it's nothing original, but I told people our strength as Yidin is not in our numbers. It's not in our technology. It's Lavavatreb would always say it's not in Kamos. It's in Echus. It's in our quality. We know from Bar Kochva their downfall was when they were blessed. The soldiers of Bar Kochva were blessed by a sage. May Hashem be with you. And they said, you "Shouldn't be with us. Just shouldn't disturb us." Very Jewish common right just shouldn't bother us and this was the beginning of the downfall when we say our strength is in sal and sal only this is our mistake our soldiers are heroes and they're so amazing because hashem helps them because hashem leads them through the way our systems are so great because hashem is guiding us and that's the reason of their greatness because we're a small number of people. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And and it also shows all these years of of uh of these something this terrible not happening. It's only because Kaddish Baruch Hu is protecting. You look at the Iron Dome and you see 100%. when you just see it in action. If that's not Yad Hashem, I don't know what is. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Uh, the, the success of Iron Dome, the success of the soldiers, so many things. I mean, uh, yeah, you when you look at it, you can find the details how everything worked out, and they were and they work hard. I, my my brother's a soldier; he takes his job seriously, 
and and he and and he gets annoyed when we get into you know this type of these type of discussions like but he but also he's a good guy knows the truth but the war has brought it out um i tell people now non-stop you know the babich ever said on the yom kippur war put on tefillin put on tefillin it protects our soldiers it brings fear into our enemies that's what we need we need fear in our enemies because we know as the famous quote uh, i can't remember who said it but if all the jews had guns and none of the our Muslim enemies right. surrounding us didn't have any guns. Everything would be okay. But if none of the Jews had guns and they all had guns, right. we wouldn't be here. So we just need our enemies to be in fear. Exactly. Okay. And to fill in gives fear. And, I, and, and this is what I tell everybody. I said, put on fill in. You're protecting. I told the boy today, your father's been drafted. You're protecting him. Put on fill in. Um, I see, I see, right. Now, many of the people in my shop, my Moshav are traditional, but you know, still the younger generation of people here and there tell them, Put on tefillin, it helps. And this is our power. This is our this is our secret weapon, mitzvahs, uh, specifically. Protection is tefillin and mezuzahs. And Hashem is protecting us. This is, this is the, you know, I, I don't want this podcast to be, oh, we're so sorry. The halacha is we have time for shiva. So we have three days for crying. We have four days for hesped, for, for, for eulogy. Then what happens? And we have Eulogies. to emerge, you know. Jewish people, the Jewish people are still here. Our enemies have to know, and this is what Gideon. Can I call you guys a diaspora? I don't know. I'm not not that type of guy. But outside of Eretz Yisrael, inside of Eretz Yisrael, and outside of Eretz Yisrael, have to know and have to feel proud that they're Yidden. You know, they can harm an individual Jew with a bullet. They can harm the body, but you're not. Our enemies have to know. We have to be able to look at them in the eye and say, you know, you think you can hurt me? Maybe, maybe you can hurt me, guys. You're not destroying. Am Yisrael. There's no chance you. it's lost before you started. You're not fighting me. You're not fighting my family. You're fighting with truth, with Hashem. We have to be able to proud Yidin, where our yarmulke is proud. You know, walk around proud, not be afraid of who we are. My father-in-law, a few years ago, in Israel, he was in a pharmacy, and uh, there was one of these barrages, and a regular Arab worker Muslim, look, I'm saying Arab, but everybody says this. Good Arabs is bad Arabs, right? Fine, 100%. I have Arabs that I know that are friends myself. But I'm talking about situations that happened. Right, so a regular worker at the pharmacy, she suddenly looks at my father and she says, in a few years, you guys aren't going to be here. We're going to get you out. So my father-in-law was not intimidated. He's like this casual guy. He's like, you know, in a few years, I might not be here. But I promise you, my grandchildren are. Wow. Okay. Without, without, beautiful. And, and you know, we beautiful. have to believe that Hashem is protecting us every moment. My the fact that my moshav was not touched is 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 full proof of that protection. I mean, um, so many of them were protected. I mean, we had horrific stories, horrific stories. But so many of them were still protected. It, it, it they had it so well planned, and we were so unready. And everything was falling into place the way that they wanted it. It was like so perfect. So perfect. Israel's Israel's a, such a small place. You can get anywhere within an hour. You can get from Gaza to Tel Aviv within an hour, an hour, 15 minutes. So you send a hundred guys quietly, you know, and don't make a ruckus. You guys go to Tel Aviv. We'll make all the noise here. And has v'shalom, has v'shalom. We shouldn't know such things. And it didn't, and it failed. And Hashem is protecting us. Anyways, I went on that whole thing about Emunah. 
Levy, we've we've gone uh, we've gone very <laughs> yeah, long I here. You want to uh, hear about the, the kids, gonna... or we'll stop here. I'll... No, I think I think I it's a t- no, it's a different sugya. Like we're going to be entering into okay. a different sugya, <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, but listen, we 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 appreciate this time. Uh, our hearts are with you. You know, we are in the diaspora. We can only imagine what you're going through, but we do. We're davening for you nonstop. Of course, you know that. We're davening nonstop for you guys, uh, all of our tefillahs, but all of our thoughts every day, morning till night, till we go to sleep. Then we wake up, we're thinking of you again, and we're davening. And uh, if there's anything we could do, please reach out to us. And uh, we'll do, you know, whatever we can help with. We're there. We're, we're ready Levy, to help. I'll tell you, it, it's, it's for us, you're kind of bringing it home. To hear a voice... We get to see you, but to hear a voice uh, of somebody who's there, who's living it, it kind of brings it home for us. And like the Pusik says, what could we tell you better than what the Torah says? Chazak. Be strong. Right. The entire Kalal Yisrael is relying on you and people like you to be strong, to hold the area together, to hold the people together, and you're holding us together. Because you're in the front lines, really, and you're doing that hard, hard work. So we thank you for it, and we tell you to keep going. Thank you very much. Appreciate. I hope I hope this is encar- this encourages people to also come and uh, support you in my area. And hey, makaru v'nafalu v'anachnu kamnu v'nisoidot. We we are strong. We encourage each other. They're gonna fall. They're all going to fall. 100%. And thank you very, very thank much. Thank you, Levy. I appreciate it. Um, take care. Lots of Basur's Tavis. Amen. And that's pretty. that was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, it's very easy for us to uh, hear things and see things on the news. But when you start to hear, when you hear firsthand accounts from people who are living it, it's, it's a different I think that both game. of us were, uh, the minute we got that message, it was like, this is happening. You know, to get to get someone's yes. firsthand account <laughs> yeah. and someone that's living it and sees the pain, feels the fear. There's nothing there's, you can't compare. Yeah, it's it's it, it, nothing makes it more real than uh, than speaking to some of the people. And the craziest part about it is, this is one person. Think of how many thousands and thousands of Jews have similar stories and are just going through it. And he's right; they are really the heroes. They're going through it, they're fighting the good fight, and they're keeping Am Yisrael kicking. Yes. I'll tell you, it just it takes a special type of bravery just to stay there. If you lived there, right, would yes. you even look back? You wouldn't even look back. You would just go as far as possible. 100%. If you, you would go to the other side of, of Israel and you would just live there. Right? And be like, I'm never turning back. Right. And these guys are just That's staying. Right. Nope, it's my land. This is our land. We're not leaving. And we'll, we'll fight it. Unbelievable. We'll, we'll protect it. We'll continue to develop it. We'll rebuild. This is the attitude. And, and you know, um, until you hear it, it's almost unbelievable. Agreed. Agreed. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed hearing that firsthand account. We're going to keep bringing you information, news, interviews as we get them. Stay with us, and we will also be releasing our usual episode. But until then, if you haven't joined the WhatsApp group, you should. 
check it out. Go to the website, kiddishclubpodcast.com, or check out the show notes. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter, which is now x.com, Kiddish Club Podcast. You know how to find us. Kiddish Club out. And this episode is copyright Kiddish Club Media.